I don't listen to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast because my mom says it's inappropriate. I download every week because I'm cool like that. Excuses podcast. I'm your old pal Sanders. I'm your old buddy Liv. If you're keeping score at home, this is episode 39, a Russia Shana edition. I was just gonna say, if you're keeping score at home, you need to get a life. <laughs> What's happened, buddy? You sound a little, uh, you sound a little run ragged. Oh man, it's crazy. I, as you know, I I was put an offer on a house. Uh, originally today was supposed to be a closing, which was going to work out fine, you know, um, but then, you know, the, the loan got done quicker than possible, than originally expected. You know, all these mortgage guys are, they just want to get in, get their money and get it done. So they moved up the closing date to Monday, you know, and I'm trying to do all this cloak and dagger run out to do the closing and all this while still, you know, um, putatively being at the job. Staying on the clock. Yeah, yeah, you know. So we ran through those closing documents like in less than 45 minutes or so, which is just like a bunch of signing. You know, I sat there, the attorney's there. I'm like, I'm an attorney, you're an attorney. I don't like these papers any more than you do. You know, I was like, let's be honest. Uh, if I read through this and I find something fucked up, we're not going to go back and change those terms today. I was like, so, um, you know, if something comes out and they're like, well, you signed for it, I'll just sue you all for fraud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no joke, man. I've been, um, I've been contemplating uh, uh, studying for the New Jersey bar for the sole purpose of doing real estate closings and, and uh, title verifications, man. That... That, that shit's cake, man. That's a racket. Yes. And the guy that was doing it the other day, he graduated. He was, he's probably like five or six years younger than me. But like me, he didn't go back to law school till like six, five or six years after graduating college, you know? Right. And he worked some horrible job at one of these downtown firms where he was doing collections, works, cases like uh, for all these credit card companies and stuff. And he even, he even, had to go in front of the Fifth Circuit twice, you know, because uh, these are the type of things that go up on these collections, these credit card cases, you know. Um, it's such a commonly litigated type of thing, so I guess there's a lot of issues that make their way all the way there, which is odd that, you know, people take forever trying to get to that level. Um, and he just couldn't handle it. Like, he was just getting sick of it, you know, grind. So he was offered that job, he said, and he went right to it. I was like... I was like, amen, because I would be all over that type of gig. You know, you have a program probably, you know, just fills in all the names and everything's pretty much canned, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally boilerplate. We yep. closed on um, two houses with a family friend of Ange's, uh, who was an attorney in the town she grew up in, and literally 15 minutes of each, each closing. The owner uh, or the seller didn't show up. 
to either one. Uh, so we just had to rip through all the signings. And you, like you're right, I mean, there's a hundred different pages you have to sign. But once you do that, it's it's done. It's it's one of the most anticlimactic, um, life altering events you can go through. Yep. I mean, the thing was, the funny thing was, like, the morning of or whatever, you know, it's like I felt nervous, like, butterflies in the stomach, because it's, it's a big decision, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I had to go get, like, a, I had to go get a cashier's check, you know, and it's this huge-ass check, and I'm like, oh, I can't lose this, but nothing better happen, you know? It's like, all <laughs> because I, I had to get it about, uh, you know, three hours, I... I got it from the bank about four hours, three or four hours before closing was going to take place. Cause I went and got it from a bank where a friend of mine's husband works because this is, you want to hear some bullshit. All right. Of so course. I discovered this, uh, when I had to put the deposit down, you know, they're like, go get a certified check or whatever. I go to the bank. They're like, Oh, you mean a cashier's check? That's $10. I'm like, why do I have to pay $10 for a check? That's basically proving that I had that cash. Right. You know? Right, right. Which kind of offended me. So then it comes down to writing a down payment check, uh, which is significantly more than the $1,000 security deposit. <laughs> and they still want you to pay the 10 bucks, And I'm like, that's really a fucking insult. You know? Yeah, it's a scam, man. I, I have no idea why. They charge that, it, and it's such a nominal fee. Like, yeah, like it's it's insult. You know, it's like, all right, I'm writing a check for tens of thousands of dollars, and I have to pay you ten dollars for that. You know, it proves I had that money because you wouldn't write that check for me if I didn't have that cash. Right. You know, so I called him and I had to go out to his branch because he's like, "Yeah, I'll give it to you for free." <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I know it sounds petty, but it's. Fucking to me, it's more petty that they're charging me for it. So fuck them. Right. After I'm withdrawing this type of money from this bank that's been held in for so many years, they're gonna charge me ten bucks to write that check. No, fuck that. So, what? uh, you know, because it is like, oh, after you write a check for so many thousands of dollars, what's ten extra dollars? And I guess that's what they figure, but it's it just seems petty to me. But it wouldn't even matter if it's if it's a, a certified or cashier's check for a hundred dollars. Uh, yes. In most instances, my experience is they're they're going to charge you for it. Yeah, and I don't know about down there, but the tellers up here uh, are always apologetic about it. Listen, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to charge you. Uh, you know, it's going to be. I think it's five dollars for a money order at my bank, ten dollars for a, a bank check, and then. It might even be more for for a certified check. I don't know what the differences are, but there's yeah. a couple different levels. But the, it's all a scam. Yep. I mean, that's it. You know, it's like um, first time around when I went to get the thousand dollar check, I had no clue about that. You know, right? I, I think I might have done it one time years ago, and I remember pissing me off, but I don't remember what it was. You know, right? But I was already in there, and I needed to get it over to the realtor that morning, so I wasn't gonna cause a ruckus you know whoa just give me my thousand dollars i'll go get a money order you know uh but the other day it was like i was like i gotta call this guy because it, it, it's not like you're gonna go get a money or a five-figure money order you know i guess you could put all your money in a little pouch bring it in <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but uh but this guy he's cool because he's 
he's always like, um, like years ago, you know, they would do this bullshit where, oh, if if you're if you uh, go under the minimum daily balance in a month, we'll charge you eight dollars. You know, that type of bullshit. They yeah, do, yeah, yeah. Which is bullshit. Minimum daily balance. You can have friggin. Ten thousand dollars in your account every day, but if one day you spent a bunch of money and it went down to two ninety nine, oh, you're below the minimum daily balance. We're charging you. <laughs> you know, so I mean, I had other times where I call that guy and he would, you know, just waive those fees. He's like, yeah, I usually just people ask, I just waive it. You know, he's like, he's like, I think it's bullshit. So, uh, so I have no problem waiving it. So I was like, good, but. I don't know. I have a feeling the first bank I went to for the thousand dollars, the people didn't seem so friendly in there. They probably would have been just like, "No, this is how it is," because they probably wouldn't want to go talk to the person that has to approve it. Because that's usually people's problems. They don't want to. They're lazy, you know. When uh, when I came back from Curacao, I had a couple bucks in my pocket, so um, I opened up a, a couple different accounts, MMAs, and and you know a variety of like high interest checking and things of that nature that um, I didn't think twice about when I opened the account, but apparently there were you know daily minimums, like you said, that need to be met or they would charge you or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so that money sat in the account for a while, and then I got a, you know, then I got my job in the city. So, you know, we just kept building on those accounts, building on those accounts. Never, obviously, more money was going in and coming out. We didn't think about it twice, but obviously, over the last year, wiped out those bank accounts. You know, went through all my cash, and now I'm I'm getting hit with all these charges for these, you know, high interest accounts. That yeah. I hadn't thought about in ten years, yeah. and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa stop, stop! I got to close this account. And they're like, well, you know, you need thirty days to close it. I'm like, all right, well, how, what do I do? They're like, well, just you got to deposit something in. So now I'm constantly, it's like I'm laundering money between accounts to make sure I don't get charged the the it's eight so bucks. Ridiculous. I mean, the whole idea of the minimum daily balance for me is ridiculous, like. An average daily balance would make sense. Minimum daily balance is like set up just to fuck you. You know, just to catch you, you know, when you fuck up one day and you don't check your bank account and that's the day the they withdrew the hundred sixty dollar payment for your health insurance, you know? Right. Like it's it's that's like created to screw you. <laughs> well, listen, man, the whole world uh, wants to know you closed? You're in? You got your yeah, keys? Can I say one more thing about bank fees? Yeah, yeah. Because I saw something apropos to what you're talking about the other day. It was some little meme thing or whatever, some quote, and it was like, the guy was talking about how, you know, rich people don't get charged at the bank. He's like, I get a call from the bank telling me they're charging me these fees because my, because my balance was too low. He's like, I'm, I'm too damn broke to even go broke anymore. You know, <laughs> like, I can't afford to go broke anymore. Right. <laughs> right. All right, we can move on. <laughs> um, hopefully, to the the, the culmination of of uh, of your bank frustrations. You yeah. got the keys. You're in. You're a homeowner. Yeah, I'm a homeowner. I haven't slept there at night. I'm I'm so far from moving into the place. Yeah. I mean, it's just I'm just too damn busy, you know. And like all week, I'm running around uh, with all this bullshit with work, you know, and. Um, one part, I'm trying to be on the DL with everything. I don't really want to publicize it. I can't be like, 
yo, boss, I'm heading out. I'm going to go fuck around my house because he doesn't even know I have it, you know? Right, right. Because <laughs> I'm just trying to be a little private about all this shit, you know? Yeah. Um, so Why, does it affect it. anything or you just want to keep your, your private stuff private? I want to keep my private stuff private. Plus, he's kind of like, it's going to begin like, a game of 20 questions, (laughs) you know, why, oh, no, you overpaid, you know, shit, I just don't feel, oh, you should have got a double and you could have rented it out, you know, (laughs) well, that's, people who know what I should be doing in my life better than I do, you know, that is so funny, man, everybody has an opinion about the property that you buy, yeah, (laughs) people are going to be coming over telling you where you can add a second bathroom, where you can afford to knock out, uh, you know, a non-load-bearing wall to increase the 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 living space. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Everybody's gonna have their input about uh, what kind of changes I should make to the backyard and stuff. You know about oh, uh, what kind of what kind of uh, landscaping I should put back there and. Uh, extend it out and build the deck. All this bullshit, you know. <laughs> you buy a house, all of a sudden everybody's Mike Brady. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but two two questions inquiring minds want to know. One is the fence secure enough for the dog? That's an issue. I need to fix the fence. Is the problem is though? Uh, you know, it's a it's a raised house. You know, like it's on um, pylons. Um, so he could get right now, he can, in the backyard, he can go under the house and come out the front. So I need to resolve that at some point this weekend. Wait, 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 wait. You, you say that like, I know what that means. So in that area of town, the houses are on pylons? Well, I mean, not like, you know, it's not a house on a slab. Like, I'm not talking about like a, like a. Something like on a camp, like eight feet in the air, you know. I mean, just like, you know, um, it's it's on piers. That's what they call it. You know, it's a common house design. I think it's. I don't think it's that uncommon. Well, maybe it is because y'all have attic uh, basements up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. He, everything here is either on a slab of concrete. There are some houses that don't that don't have basements, but see, this house is weird because it's a the the original house. It's not that big. It's only eleven hundred square feet. But the original house that was built was probably like 600, you know, 700 square feet or whatever. Okay. And then they built on this front portion years later. I think it, it must have been some type of shop or something, you know, like a little sweet shop or something like that. Because it's because one side of it's like a um, is a brick wall, like a um, what's that term? What type of block? Cinder block. Okay. Wall, you know, okay. on the outside. And um, and that's on a slab, but the original house is on piers, you know. So it 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 joins up, you know. Like it's almost like the house is like uh, sort of like a key if you look at it from above. You get you you get yeah. an imagination of what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the back of the house is like the. The back of the key and the front is like the actual key that goes in the door, if you're looking at it from above. But so so part of that, uh, so the old house that's on the pier is like part of that leads to the front yard, you know, past where the gate is, you know. So he can get from under there 
uh, I brought him over there the other night for the first time, and then I got nervous because he likes to go into the house. And I'm like, I'm screwed if he goes under the house because, um, you know, he can move under the house a lot faster than I can run to go get him. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so that that and i'm trying to get stuff done like today like that was one reason i said well let's do the show tonight because i was like i'm gonna go out go after work and there's like little knickknacks it was like a new rent of like they just they renovated this old house you know mm-hmm. so obviously there's little things that they missed like putting on the doorstops and the inspector's like oh that's a common thing they miss but it was one of those things you're not gonna fret about and be like do that or else Right. You know, right. like, you got to pick and choose what you're going to have beef with, you know? So I got doorstops. I was like, all right, I'm going to head over there after work and start putting in the doorstops on the doors. Because that's something I want to do right away because that's the, that's the type of thing that will get fucked up right away. A hole in the door, you know, moving shit in there, swing open the door, and fuck up the wall, you know? Right, right. Um, and then you sent that text. I was at lunch. I was like, oh, damn. And I was like, we can do it later on. But then I realized, I was like, yeah, I didn't even bring shorts and stuff, you know. And I wasn't going to go over there, like, in the, the work clothes I was in and start doing that type of shit because I would have been miserable. So I was like, I got to go home anyway. So um, I'll go home and then I can head over there for a couple hours. Uh, and I don't really have anything going on yet because, A, I want to get the security system put in place. Uh and I've been dickering around with that. Like, this is the worst thing, you know? Whenever someone hooks you up or says, oh, call my friend or whatever, it always seems to screw me. <laughs> and here's an example of that. Um, I, you know, a cousin of mine, you know, he's probably 10 years older than me. He used to be a Louisiana State Trooper, a local cop. Now he's got this uh, security business. He he does like a lot of like bodyguard work for like these movie stars. He uh, he actually had become buddies with James Gandolfini years ago, when he was uh, when Gandolfini was down here filming uh, what was it, the remake of that movie, All the King's Men. Oh yeah yeah yes. You know he 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 was doing the security for that. Uh, Ryan Reynolds did. They did that Green Lantern movie movie down here. He became buddies with that guy, and Ryan Reynolds then took him to like South Africa, Australia, somewhere like that with him for some bullshit. You know, so he does he does all this type of stuff. He's got this business, and uh, and since he's got the police background, you know, he gets a lot of work out of it. So my mom's like, call call your cousin. He's got a friend that does that. So I called him. Uh, and he hooks me up with this guy, and he comes out there Monday morning or Tuesday morning, I guess it was, and he looks over the place. And and it, in the meantime, I got in touch with a dude that I grew up with who does this, and he tells me one thing about how much it would cost. Uh, you know, well, the guy comes and does this assessment, and the place isn't big. You know, he's like, well, what are you looking for? I'm like, I don't need to be in Fort Knox. <laughs> you know? I'm like, I don't need to sit here and be in a fort and, like, be scared of everything. I just want enough to deter people from breaking in my house, you know? Right. Uh, like, in terms of if they break a window, the alarm's going to go off and they're going to get the fuck out, you know? Yep, yeah. Uh, so he's like, I'll send you, he's like, let me work it up. So yesterday he sends me an email, like five something. I look at it, I'm like, 
I was like, this motherfucker's serious? He wants all this money, you know, for this, for the install? So then I, I send the email. I forward it on to the kid I grew up with. I was like, does this sound reasonable? It sounds ridiculous to me, uh, but I don't know the market, you know? And uh, he's like, he responds. He's like, oh, yeah, that does actually sound in line. His monitoring rates are even cheaper than mine. Well, today or last night, I start talking about it with Jacob because I'm like, I know he has security. And he gets home and he asks his wife and she tells him. I get in touch with those people and then they're telling me a quote like $400 less than what this guy told me or something, you know? Now, do you, you have to sign like a contract? Well, the one that the guy that uh, that did Jacob's, they don't do a contract. You know, like you can walk away at any time, which is appealing. Yep. You know, so I, so then I had to have that miserable phone call where I call him back and tell him, "Hey, man, his numbers were ridiculous." <laughs> right, <laughs> you know right. Saying? Right. And and then he's like, "Well, I'll see what I can do." You know, maybe use his marketing. And he starts sending me all this shit about, "Well, uh, is he using the same stuff? Or oh, what? What type of? You know, it's just just terrible." I'm like, I wish no one would have recommended anybody to me. <laughs> I, just, I just would have been a regular old shopper. You know, yep. With no allegiances to anybody, uh, no, no dealing with the guy that goes to lunch with my cousin every now and then. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, please, I don't need any help unless you're actually gonna give me a deal. Don't claim you're gonna help me out. You know? Right. I know exactly what you're talking about. But you know, it's like, and it's like I kind of want to be like, you know. He wouldn't even allow me just to tell him no. He's like, well, let me look. Uh, I'll see what I can do. And it's like, you know, give me the fucking deal this guy's going to give me. And then uh, and then, and then, then you'll have my business. <laughs> you know? So so he says he's going to, so the lat, where we left off after exchange all these emails, do you, oh, the, what kind of equipment? Does he have the same stuff I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, he says touch screen and everything, you know? And, and it's like, well, who makes it? You know, like, all right, dude. He didn't give me the brand name of all this shit, you know? It's like, I have a hard time believing anything's far more superior than other things for what I'm doing. Right. You know? Especially it's these days when... when mansion. Like, <laughs> the barrier to entry on anything uh, technical or, or any technology is so low, like... You know, because that stuff's so easy to produce. Like, one touchscreen unit is not going to be better than another touchscreen unit. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's it's just so... Uh, he's like, well, let me see if I can get you a new proposal. And he's, he's like, all right, and that's already left. You know? But... Sorry, dude. I'm not made of money. <laughs> so we'll see what he says, but I want to get that fucking done before I start putting stuff in the house. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And I need to change the door locks because that was a thing... And Jacob said, oh, yeah, you should probably do that. He's like, think about it. Every contractor has a co- has a key to that house. Yeah, no doubt. I was like, oh, yeah, that is true. And, you know, you know the type of shady people they got doing business, doing that type of work. I think I ended up changing uh, the locks even before the of the official closing i think we were there for the final inspection the morning before yeah. we headed down to sign the contracts which uh was actually just the other day 5 days ago i am my uh i've owned my uh my house for 2 years 2 year uh, anniversary that was the uh, 2 year anniversary so um 
that's definitely first thing. Change those locks. Because you're right. Every shady motherfucker in town has keys to your house. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, it's not like, uh, you know, that's the type of work that's known for reputable people being involved in, you know? Right. Right. Like, A, contractors have a reputation for being shady to begin with. Uh, second of all, <laughs> the type of people that contractors hire, they often hire drifters and <laughs> <laughs> and other people of ill repute, you know? <laughs> Like it's just there's all kinds of sketchiness, but you know what I was like, they they have a, um, you know you they buy the the seller buys this warranty to cover like the appliances and stuff in the house for however long you know maybe it's a year or whatever after you buy the house, I was like please let them break in and steal the fridge and oven right now I don't get that <laughs> shit. Yeah you know, they're gonna break in break in now because that's all they have in there is the shit that came with it. Hey, um, speaking of which, that was the uh, one picture that you sent me, uh, and it looks like uh, looks like a pretty sweet kitchen, pretty big. Uh, you know, the the uh, countertops and the cabinets are, are pretty much standard fare. Every house, uh, you know, that that I'd seen um, while I was shopping for houses, uh, both condos and and single family houses, had the same uh, same granite countertop, same yeah, um, same you know generic. Um, cabinets. I guess that's you know kind of the appeal of a uh, of a uh, neutral kitchen. You know, yeah. people kind of want to see that. But have you decided on where you're going to put the waffle iron? I think it's going to go in that little nook, that little um, leftover counter space area by the window. Nice. That's exactly where it should go. I mean, that's where like random appliances will probably go. The blender that I never use, but I still own the. Uh, the rice cooker that a friend gave me because he said, hey, do you want a rice cooker? We don't need any more. And for some reason, I thought I needed it, um, which I used exactly zero times ever. Uh, you know, all the useless bullshit will be there. But I will guarantee you that waffle iron will not be useless. <laughs> so did you decide on one yet? Did you? Did you? No, I haven't. Uh, I mean, um I, I did toy with the idea of jokingly going out and just buying a waffle iron and that's all (laughs) (laughs) a man his dog and a waffle iron yeah i was like i was like i was like all right the the joke's funny but still it's like i need to get some furniture in this motherfucker (laughs) right now you um when you went back to new orleans and when oh six oh five uh july 29th 2005 a month to the day before Hurricane Katrina made land. Oh, right, right. What, um, what, what was your initial move? Did you go back to Metairie at first? Well, I came here and then I, um, right away I started looking for an apartment because I was starting law school. Okay. So I signed the lease on the apartment probably like, I think maybe the 23rd or 24th. I mean, 22nd, 23rd, something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I even went there, like, uh, my my late uncle, who's no longer around, he had a pickup truck, and he and my brother-in-law, who's now my brother-in-law, you know, we unloaded all my, because most of my shit was still in boxes, you know, because it all came from Boston. Right. And and my bed, we we went there and put all that shit in there, and, and I walked away, and all that shit was still in boxes when the hurricane hit, you know? So... 
So all the stuff was in there just boxed up. You know, the bed was laid out and that was it. And then even though that place didn't even get flooded, I couldn't get back into that place until like January of 2006 when they finally let you get back and when they finally were like the city of New Orleans is open again, you know. Uh, wow, it was that long? Well, yeah, because the because re- the city was all screwed up. They weren't letting anybody really get in there unless you had legitimate reasons to be in there, you know. Right. Like my mom was a nurse, so she had this card. She had to put this card on her car when she went to work, you know, saying that she has the right to be cruising around, you know. Right. Uh, funny thing was, like. One of the things that you knew right away were was about what it was going to do to the real estate market. Uh, like the place I I rented, I mean it was very tiny, probably five hundred square feet, but it was probably I think it must have been five hundred or five fifty a month back then. That you know that was the last time anything in in a decent neighborhood went for that cheap, you know. Right. Because Katrina fucked up the whole market. And even though the market still shouldn't be that ridiculous, the landlords were used to getting it. Then all these yanks and hipsters start moving in who who are more than happy to pay it. You know, because when you're coming from where places are like $2,000 a month for rent, paying $1,000 for a tiny place is perfectly fine you know all right give me give me a timeout for a second i got my google maps out let me um let me get my bearings here where where are the levees what do the levees protect against the the lake or the river both okay i lived right near um the river levee 7465 benjamin street put that into your google maps hold on that was where the apartment that i rented was so what is it 7465 Benjamin Street. Nolens, Louisiana. All right. Oh, I got you. Whoa, okay. And, like, of course, if the, the Army Corps Engineers is right there and everything. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. If that levee ever broke, that place would have been would have been toast right there, you know? Right. But that area of town... You know, they, they started calling it the sliver along the river after Katrina because they were like, well, all these places, because that was the original, you know, back, you know, for the million years before <laughs> before anybody came and started civilizing the place. The way it worked was the river every spring would flood, you know, and then it would recede and the alluvial soil would be left up. So that's the naturally higher ground. Right. Uh, of the area, you know, so. So, of course, all that stuff really starts skyrocketing in value. Any place that didn't flood, you know, that started getting jacked up in value. But um, I was in, I remember I was was with my parents and sister, and we were driving around in the car to Chattanooga, Tennessee, when I got a call from the landlord. And he's like, Matt, I got to ask you, do you want to hold on to the lease, blah, blah, blah? You know, do you want to give it up? Are you moving back? Um, I was like... No, I'm keeping it, you know, because he's, he's like, because I get a lot of money for that place right now. Because you can <laughs> run it out to people who are, like, working in the city for this stuff, you know? Yeah, right, right. And they're all getting reimbursed from yeah, government grants. Like, or- I can get $1,000 a month for this right now. I was like, well, I got the lease. I was like, I was like, listen here, I won't pay you, 
uh, we can scratch the deposit or whatever, and we'll just make that. Because originally when we signed it, you know, I gave them uh, first and I gave them first month's rent uh, and the deposit. And they were like, you can just give me the, you know, because usually they want the first, the last and the deposit, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, you can just give us the last, the last next week when you have that, the rest of that money. I was like, yeah, fine. But then Katrina came. It never happened. Right. You know? So I, so I just kept making rental payments because I was like, I'm not going to find a cheaper place. And I knew I was going back to law school. You know? Right. I was like, there's no way I'm going to find a place that costs 500 550 a month once I go back. And, and when I went back, like, most people were paying at the minimum 750 for places if they were living alone. And I was still paying at 550 So it was a good deal for me. Wait, did your entire first year get washed out or just the first semester? The whole... Well, I just deferred. You okay. know what they did was... They picked up and went to the University of Houston, uh, the law school. So they trucked everybody out there? Well, they were like, we're going to Houston. If you want to come out there, you can come to Houston. Some people, a lot of people went and um, just went and did semesters elsewhere. Whatever, their second choice or or a safety school. Places like you could have gone to Harvard Law School for a semester, a place that you never could have gotten into. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. The problem was they had people that did stuff like that that didn't, that didn't, didn't want to leave those places. And it, was, it got kind of nasty because, you know, the deal was these schools are taking in with the acknowledgement that these students are Loyola students because, you know, you're talking about the money. Yes. You know, for the tuition. So uh, I know they did have some people that had issues with that. My problem with that whole thing was, I was like, man, I just moved my whole life here a month before this. I'm not ready to pick up and go friggin' be an itinerant again, you know? You you, you understand where I'm coming from? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I just made one big cross-country move. I'm not ready to go do that bullshit. Right, right. So... So I didn't, and then, um, and then the uh, the Papa John's, the University area of Papa John's, a kid I know was uh, managing that place for my pizza days before pre-Boston. Right. And um, and I couldn't, I had a hard time, because there really weren't that many jobs down here at the time, or jobs I wanted, you know, uh, and like I had applied for some like jobs working in law offices and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, well, I plan to go back to law school." And I'm like, "Well, we really want people that aren't gonna work. I mean, that aren't looking to move up in the world." Right, right. <laughs> so I got in touch with him, and he's like, "Dude, come here. You can work for me." And that place was the first. It was like the first restaurant of any sort to open. One of the first five, probably, and the first place that was delivering, uh, like in the city, you know. So it was like making money hand over fist when I was delivering there. And it was all cash. Right. You know, like they, they would put you on the clock and pay you five twenty five or six twenty five an hour or whatever it was. And so the only thing you were getting taxed on was the minimum wage, which wasn't the money you considered your earnings. Right. So, right, right, right. so it was pretty sweet. So for about eight or nine months, I worked there and I was, you know, putting away a good chunk of change in my pocket every month so that was sweet yeah but then 
I got into law school, and I, I tried doing it like I was doing it like on a Sunday, because football days were always a good day. And eventually, I was like, "Fuck this! I can't do this anymore." Yeah, first year that's tough to hold down a, a meaningless part time job. Yeah, I mean, it was nice because I would go in there and make like two hundred to two to three hundred dollars just working a bullshit Sunday shift, and that's all I had to do. But then it just, it, you know, I'm like, I don't really want to do this. I want to go get fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you were making how much delivering Papa John's pizza on a football Sunday? Two to three hundred bucks. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, because everybody, every college kid sitting around, um, every college kid, you know, you, it's all the Tulane kids and Loyola kids around there, and they're all sitting around. And and the fact was, they they didn't have too many places to order from back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Most places were wiped out by the hurricane. I mean, by the flood. Papa John's, they came in, I guess they came in right when they could get back in the city. They came in that place and totally redid it because they knew it was a gold mine, you know? Yeah, brilliant. I mean, people are working on their houses. People need to eat. What are they going to do? They're calling Papa John's, you know? Crazy. The one thing you had to do a lot, though, was spent a lot of money on uh, tire repair because the streets were littered with nails and all kinds of debris. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that shit would always happen. You'd always get a friggin' nail in the tire. That happened at least monthly, that type of bullshit. Yeah, those guys were making a killing, the tire repair guys. (laughs) (laughs) They were the only people making more money than the Papa John's delivery guys. (laughs) Papa John's guys are hanging out at the tire repair shop. (laughs) All right, one more more bit of of, uh, uh, New Orleans geography. Um, where's uh, West Bank? West Bank. All right. Well, let me open it to Google Maps. You're you're on seventy four sixty five Benjamin Street. Right? Uh, I just moved off seventy four sixty five Benjamin Street, but I can get back there quite quite quickly. Yeah, I mean West Bank. Um, see, you, it sounds funny to say West Bank if you look at a map because it's sort of actually south of New Orleans. Gretna. Is that the Gretna area? Gretna, that's Jefferson Parish. And then there's Algiers. Algiers Point, you see the... I'm going to say it Fredo style. Do you see? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I see Algiers. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Algiers Point, which is a very old part of town. You know, it's, it's, it's probably about... It's almost as old as, like, the rest of the city itself, you know? Because I'm uh, looking, but like if you look at the map of New Orleans, it it's the West Bank because it is technically the western part of the Mississippi River. But the thing is, when the Mississippi River gets down here, it starts running horizontally. Yes, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you actually you're traveling south when you're on the West Bank. All right, because I'm looking at some, uh, I'm looking at some real estate. Uh, in New Orleans, and I found a place at uh, fifteen hundred Place BL. What's BL stand for? Boulevard. Is it Pace Boulevard? Pace Boulevard. Okay, that's what it is. Okay, that's uh, Pace Boulevard. Say uh, three bedroom, one bath. What's uh, the address? What's 15, the 1500 Pace um, seven zero one one four. Oh, all right, that's Algiers. Yeah, it looks like it's oh, in, they, in Algiers. Uh, not very far from the river. It's on uh, 
Uh, it's by a park. Yeah, that's a place you don't want to be. <laughs> I was the gonna... place you really want to be in Algiers is the Algiers Point area. And within that, basically the borders of Opelousas Avenue, and I believe it's Atlantic is where you want to be, where those... Yeah, Atlanta, you want to be within the boundary of the river, Atlantic, and Opelousas. All right, because this place is you only... see how that is, like where it actually goes to the point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where that's where you preferably want to be if you're out in Algiers. All right, because this... Algiers is kind of a... There's a lot of um, horrible areas over there. Well, the... Uh... The rapper Baby Boy De Prince is from uh, the West Bank, so um, rapper Baby Boy De Prince. I don't know who he is. <laughs> you don't know who Baby Boy De Prince is? Yeah. I I thought you had turned me on to him, but uh, apparently not. Um, maybe I did. Maybe maybe it was an ephemeral type of thing. Um, Baby Boy De Prince, Wikipedia. I'm looking at his page. Is he from Algiers or oh, he's with the No Limit Gang. He's with the who? He's with the No Limit Gang. That's, um, what's his name? Master P's business, I believe. Oh, I gotcha, gotcha. Um, I just unplugged my headphones, so bear with me, because I'm going to play you a little baby boy to Prince. Not anymore. He began his career with the No Limit. He's with Universal Republic now, It's a little baby boy to Prince for you. Yes. Yes, you know what they made this version for the Saints. Yes, that's that's how you turn me on to it. Yes, okay. This is the way we live. New Orleans Saints number one. (laughs) It's a catchy tune. Yeah, yeah, he he modified it for the Saints the year they won the Super Bowl. I like um, it. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby boy to Prince. Uh, the the place I move now, that's not too far from the area where uh, Lil Wayne grew up, the Hollygrove. <laughs> Wait, the place you just moved to? Yeah, that's not far. That like abuts the Hollygrove neighborhood, which is where Lil Wayne was. That's his his hood. It's a rough. It's a uh, rough area of town, you know. Um. Is it a, as they say in New Jersey, a um, emerging area, an, uh, up, an up and coming? I think I think the place where I bought my house is up and coming. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. You know, um, I don't know. I mean, it's all. I you know I don't know. I'm not going to make any judgments about Holly Grove on. Uh, a public record right now because I don't know enough to to uh, you know I wouldn't want to say anything that gets me in trouble especially <laughs> if it's uninformed so I'll leave it at that alright fair enough uh, well uh, either way muzzle tough my friend yeah but it's but that's like right there like uh, I, mean, I think technically my neighborhood might be called Leonidas you know, because that's the street nearby. But, you know, you start moving up, that gets to where they call it Holly Grove. You know, it's... 
it's one of those areas I think they're trying to, um, you know, do try to make nice again or whatever. But you know, everything, everybody can't be above average. You know, it's it's not like we'll be gone. What um, any um, n- you know neighborhood neighborhood bars like? What's the uh, what's the I mean, scene like? There's, or there's no real good scene right there, as far as I noticed so far. You know, like on on my block, actually, there's you know two friggin' shuttered businesses right down the street. But I mean, you drive a few blocks either way. You know, I mean, you're in a commercial areas. You know, there's a Walgreens and a grocery store right there, and then I'm tucked in behind that stuff, basically. Okay. You know, I mean, it's all there's lots of commercial stuff elsewhere, but there's there's no bars that, as far I haven't noticed yet. But I don't I don't believe there's any bars I'm gonna be able to walk to. You see buildings that used to be bars and neighborhood groceries and stuff that have been repurposed. You know. Like where my old place used to be on Benjamin Street, there was a place on the on the corner there down the street that was, it was an old brick building, and you could tell it used to be an old bar. But uh, when I was living there, some artist weirdos had had taken it over and were using it as a work and living space or something. I believe you know. Oh, yeah. it's kind of cool going to those old neighborhoods because you go and you see you can see these places that mostly are. Most of them uh, aren't what they were anymore, but you can see where, you know, there were all these corner grocery stores and then the neighborhood bars, you know. But those, I would love to get a building like that and redo it and live in, but those things are so hot, you know, because everybody wants to live in a place like that because they're cool. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I thought I had something else to say, but now it is... It has exited my brain, unfortunately. That's all right, man. You got a lot going on. You got a lot going yeah. on. Um, well, I got a couple things uh, that I wanted to run down tonight. Uh, first is we are nearing the eve of our uh, annual sojourn to the Meadowlands Sports Complex in the swamps of Jersey. Yep. Saturday S- night. SU Notre Dame. Uh, they will okay. not... It'll be like um, Kirk Herb Street and Chris Fowler doing the game, right? Are they really? I was going to ask. I know Kirk Herb Street's doing it, but is Chris Fowler doing the games with him now? Um, I mean, it's on ABC. So it's the yes game. Yes. Yep. Which yep. means, of course, we went and played like garbage and shot ourselves in the foot and lost against a mediocre Maryland team. Well, that's what I was going to say. They, I won't be attending the college game day because um, we screwed the pooch there. Yeah. We took a, a, a very winnable game and, and made it um, and, and, and made it a mockery. What um, did you see any of that game? Uh, I you know I was watching a little bit of it. then of course I had to go to another damn funeral. Oh um, yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, funeral thing's getting old. Yeah, every time uh, I turn around, you're at a funeral home. Yeah, and I've been to four of them since July, and not one of them has been like, oh, this person lived a long and full life, thank God, you know? All of them have been tragic and untimely, which is the worst part of it, you know? Yeah, I got that text from you on Saturday as I was driving home from... Uh, 
from the ALS fundraiser walk out in Long Island, which not only is it always kind of a bittersweet affair, like you feel pretty good that you're out there doing something yeah, and you know, you're kind of making a, um, an impact, but one, you see the patients out there and you don't see the patients two years in a row. Yeah. And on top of that, this was the, the world's largest ALS charity walk. Yeah. It, it was the largest last year, but it increased by 50% because of the ice bucket challenge. So you're running around and you're, you know, you're just, you're, you're running yourself ragged trying to get stuff done. So you're tired, but then you're also kind of like emotionally up, emotionally down. And, um, this year I was the event coordinator. So I had a lot more responsibility than I did last year because I'd been working with uh, my buddy on all those projects for it. Yeah. So I had to drive a U-Haul out from, uh, from New Jersey out to Long Island, which there was only there w- there was a moment on the drive where this podcast could have been called "One Sorry Excuse in the Future" because I almost flipped my U-Haul Damn. in the Lincoln Tunnel. Damn. I've never driven a U-Haul that big before. It's a fourteen foot U-Haul, and I was uh, coming around the corner in the tunnel. And my back wheel hit the curb in the tunnel, and I, I felt me go up onto two wheels, and it was packed full. But if it, if it was any heavier, it probably would have flipped over. But you know, I got it back under control and made it out. But I white knuckled it for an hour and a half out to Long Island, and then an hour and a half back the next day. So. Um, you know, I was feeling I was feeling pretty sorry for myself uh, until I got your text message that you were at another funeral. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I don't really feel sorry for myself is because none of the people have been like I think I told you that it's like none of them have been directly related to me or anything. So I try not to be too much of an asshole, like oh me, you know. But um, but it, I mean, it's just sad, and I never really went to too too many funerals in my life to begin with because I hate funerals. Yeah. You know, but then you got to support people, man. It's rough. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Nobody wants to go, but that's when you have to go. Yeah. Yep. So, that sucks, man. Yeah. And, like, the person this weekend, you know, it was the father and, you know, he's... Yeah, guy's 50 years old, you know, it's not supposed to, I mean, it was, you know, cancer or whatever, but still, that's not supposed to happen, you know, it just, life is just a pain in the ass, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? I think your text said, uh, mortality. Yeah. Is that what it said? Something, something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, it said something about mortality, yeah. That was, uh. Uh, sobering, sobering. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to depress you. No, that's okay, man. That's so okay. like you don't want to. Yeah, it's it's not something you want to blurt it out to the people you're there with, you know, because everybody knows. Oh man, this sucks. It's like oh, and I, I'm sitting there, and of course I'm a little selfish. I'm like the two lane game's going on, the Syracuse game's going. I gotta go to the funeral in the middle. What an asshole I am <laughs> for for bitching about that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a similar, oh, man, uh, because this Saturday is 
Liz Stillman's uh, 40th birthday. Oh, I don't know if you can say that. It's Liz Stillman's birthday. Yeah, you shouldn't have said that. Yeah. All right, let me edit that out. Liz Stillman never turns 40. Okay, hold on. Let's go back. Let's uh, mm-hmm. let's take a beat here. It's like Letterman when they say that, even though they never really edit anything out. <laughs> right, right. So it's Liz Stillman's birthday. Um, and she had sent me an invitation a while back. Now, I had gone to her 35th birthday, uh, which was a big party. Uh, like a big, and that was five years ago. Right? That was five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was like a, I don't want to say formal because I probably wore jeans, but it was an organized dinner, like in the back room of a restaurant. There were probably 40 people there. You know, I was her representative of the 1106 crew. I really didn't know too many people. You Not were the emissary from 1106. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Um, and I had a good time, but it was a, a an atypical affair. Like I went, I had a couple drinks at dinner, we drove home. Like it wasn't anything crazy. This year, it's the same deal. Uh, there's going to be, you know, I don't want to say formal, but it's an organized dinner. I'm sure there's going to be, you know, a few less people than were at her last one because you know, five years later, you know, there's some shrinkage in terms of of relationships and friendships. You don't have as many close ones as you did last year and the year before that so bridges women get pissed that's how it goes (laughs) um so she had sent the invitation out a while ago and of course you know of of course i responded yes obviously not thinking about the syracuse football schedule let alone the notre dame game and i didn't think twice about it until she texted me this week and was like hey listen don't forget you know, it's my birthday. Uh, am I going to see you there? And I was like, oh, man. Uh, you know, I, re- I just, not that I don't want to go. I just wish it was on a different day. Yeah. You know, because I really would have liked to watch that, that uh, the football game. But let's be honest. We are going to get our asses handed to us. Well, that's the attitude you have to take if you, if you want to be happy when we win. <laughs> I, listen, I enjoy your enthusiasm, man. I mean, I, all I gotta say is this: Greg Robinson won about five games, maybe, in his regime at Syracuse, but but he did beat Notre Dame like in his last game. Oh, listen, listen, man. God bless you. You, I, I love that you hang your hat one on that win, and two on the optimism that we can actually beat the eighth-ranked team in the country on a neutral site. Because yeah. I think it makes for I think it makes for a great fan, and it makes for a good podcast. But, well, go in there, you know, expect us to just get blown out, you know? Like, you got to have some kind of optimism. Well, listen, I'm not hoping we get blown out. I'm not a self-loathing orange. I mean, this isn't Florida State we're dealing with. And you do sound like a self-loathing orange. No, 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 no. I want us to win. If I was there, I'd have my Real Men Wear Orange shirt. I'd have about 15 vodka grapefruits in the parking lot, followed up by 15 more Miller Lights inside the venue. I'd break my cell phone, and I would probably rub my ass on the head of uh, some unsuspecting Notre Dame fan. So that's not just for USC games. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, glory days. Glory days. Ah, uh, but I digress. Good I, times, good times. But I just don't... I, this is a... If this, if a game that you're not supposed to win can be this, 
this is a classic example of a trap game. Yeah. Where we are coming in way too high for a, a team in a situation that hasn't done anything to warrant that enthusiasm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and, and not, not to break down the X's I mean, and O's. The, the other issue, though, I mean, I know one thing that earlier in the year I was like, I'm not really that... Like, yeah, they're probably better than us, but I don't look at them. This isn't your grandfather's Notre Dame, you know, which is the last time, as far as I'm concerned, they were a ridiculous powerhouse. Uh, (laughs) Right, right. um, But then they played Michigan, and they beat the hell out of Michigan. And everybody's like, oh, no. Well, Utah rolled in uh, Michigan this weekend and beat the hell out of them, too. So what does that mean? Yeah, but I think... think that there's a huge difference because Michigan's not Michigan. They haven't been Michigan for the last couple years. That's what years. I'm saying. So what does what does the Notre Dame beatdown of Michigan mean? You know, that seems to be the thing that everybody that's the thing that put Notre Dame in the the up in the top ten it was like, oh no, they just beat the hell out of Michigan. Yeah, but even if they weren't a top ten team and and, and I wanna say maybe even if they're not a ranked team. But for no if an unranked Notre Dame team is a bad team. So if we if we were playing an unranked Notre Dame team, I'd be I would be a lot more optimistic. But a ranked Notre Dame team, even if they're ranked too high, is is still a good team in the sense that you know Golston is a good quarterback. They have a good coach. They run a good system, and they have a, a history of success. In this program, we don't have that yet, and we're getting there. Yeah, and it's fun to be a Syracuse football fan again. It wasn't. I mean, the thing that's frustrating is look at the statistics from the game uh, last Saturday. We we put up like five hundred something yards, man. Like we just kept making stupid mistakes. You know, it's. Maryland really wasn't doing that much to stop us as much as we were doing stuff to stop ourselves, you know? Yeah, but how did um, how did the defense do? The defense actually didn't play that bad, really. There was, I think there was a blocked punt in the game. You know, they gave up maybe a couple of big plays, but the defense really didn't play that terrible. All right. You know, it was more, the, the problem was more product of us just friggin' choking. Okay. All right. Listen. You here- know, like it, it, it was disappointing because Maryland is mediocre, and they will never be any. They will never really be any good at football. You know. Right. Um, and it sucks that we lost to them because they're a very beatable team. In fact, we rarely lose to Maryland to begin with. Uh, but you know, we just need to. I, I mean, we we have problems though. Like Broyles hurt; he's not going to be playing this weekend. But uh, this is the thing: we just need Syracuse. Really needs more speed. Like, did you see that kid Irv Phillips a couple of weeks ago? Yes, he's a freshman. Yep. We need about ten more guys like that. You know? Yeah, I think we've talked and that's about. That's going to come with time, and that's the whole reason why we moved into this conference. It's the whole reason they're building the 87,000-square-foot indoor facility. You know, uh, I don't know if you know about that. 
Uh, no, no, I don't. And it's supposed to be done by December, which surprises me because you look at it, all it is is the skeleton right now. What's a built, practice the, facility? So it's not going to be like any what ahead. It's just what everybody has right now, you know? Right. We're just, we're not, it's part of like catching up with the Joneses. Right. Just a, it's a practice bubble, essentially? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, uh, yeah, essentially, but it's not really a bubble. You know, it's that big steel frame. I mean, it's probably a lot like whatever every other college has, you know, or like the Saints or any other pro football team has for their indoor facilities. You know, it's just a huge cavernous space. And it's it's right there on South Campus, right next to like Manly or whatever they're building it. So, Well, the other thing about this game, other than the fact um, that I don't necessarily like our chances, um, is the fact that it's... It's what's become the bane of, of of our existence as as Syracuse fans. Yeah, the idea of moving a high profile game to New Jersey to play at a neutral site, and the Dio did a, a whole article about that. Um, um, the financial viability. Yeah. In terms of scheduling and recruiting that this annual game has on the program, and. You know, the athletic department was pretty quick to point out that we wouldn't be getting Notre Dame to come to the Carrier Dome. We wouldn't be getting Penn State. But we did get, I mean, yeah, they had to go two for one. I guess that's the issue they're saying. But we did get Notre Dame to the Carrier Dome. That was 2004 or whatever. And we beat the fuck out of them. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And if it's that important, then you'd play a two for one. I mean, I don't get that because USC went and played at friggin' Boston College a couple of weeks ago, didn't they? Yeah. Yes, they Boston did. Boston College doesn't play in a stadium any bigger than ours. No. No, not at all. No. And, and, and we played one for one with Michigan, and Michigan Stadium is more than twice our size. And they want to point to the benefits of recruiting in the New York area. But yeah, you know what Scott Schaefer's view on that was? Yeah, yeah, it's all right, I guess. Yeah. Right. Because who's exactly enthusiastic about it? Who wants to see your team come in and get waxed? Well, and that's the problem. You know it's gonna be way more Notre Dame fans. There you were know? there were only th- uh thirty nine thousand people at that USC game. Yep. The stadium right. was, was less than half full. Yeah, I mean Penn State game, it wasn't sold out. What was there? Forty something thousand last year? Um They said sixty. Okay. They said 60, but well, Penn State has... More Penn State fans. Penn State has a huge alumni base in New Jersey, New York, yeah, bigger than school. bigger than, than Syracuse. I mean, it's, 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 the state, it's the flagship state university for a huge state. And for yeah. years and years and years, that was the New York Metro's team. Yeah. That's who, who people around here paid attention to. Um, so... I don't. I don't necessarily buy that playing the game here is the only way to get a big named opponent. You might have to no, do a little bullshit. more work to get it, that's but bullshit. I don't buy that it helps recruiting um, to the extent that they say it does. Because, well, we're getting killed in these games, and we're not. We're not drawing a, our fan base here to support it like it's a home game. The one thing it does do, which I just wish they would admit, admit, is it's bringing us a boatload of cash to play yep. in these games 
So go ahead, say it. Basically, basically, we're a small Division One basketball team who's going to play the guarantee. We're St. Francis of Brooklyn, who every year goes to Duke, North Carolina, and Wake Forest on the uh, pre-conference season schedule to play a guarantee game, get their entire basketball budget paid for by playing three slobber knockers, and then they go on to try to win the Northeast Conference and get their automatic bid. And the thing I think is a bullshit about the argument is defeatist, because you know when we were there in the 90s, we would go home and away. I, my, the first game of my freshman year was against Oklahoma in the Dome. Exactly. You know, we played home and away against these teams all the time. Big football powerhouses. I know a couple of years before I got there, they did home and away with Texas. Florida came into the Dome like the year before I got there. Or a couple of years before I got there, whatever it was, you know. Like, it's it's a lame excuse. It's a defeatist excuse. And the fact that we're in this big conference now, I don't think we need to do this bullshit anymore. We're in a conference where, you know, now they're getting this thing where where these guys are getting into colluding that all Power 5 conference teams got to play primarily Power 5 conference teams out of conference, you know? Right. So I don't think we're – I don't think we need to be playing all our premium games in New Jersey. Uh, Especially – against Notre Dame because there's a pretty good chance we would have got them as part of their ACC commitment. Yes. And we and we're playing them in New Jersey like at least one more time, right? Um I believe so. It's either 2016. Okay. It, it there was a it was a two it was a two um two game date when they originally announced it. Um so we're going to lose the opportunity to have them uh, come up at some point in the future because that's it. We blew our wad. Yep. But listen, we're going to be on national TV. That's awesome. Um, I mean, it's crazy. We're actually going to be on nighttime on ABC. Prime time, which is really cool. Um, that, that, you know, if we can stay competitive, if we can play a good game, I think that does help for recruiting. You know, the fact that we're in New Jersey, um, you know, playing at MetLife Stadium. Listen, there's no huge talent coming out of the New York metro area. This yeah. isn't the hotbed. Of- I mean, there's lots of talent in New Jersey. I mean, you can't argue that. We used to that used to be the lifeblood. Problem is, every good kid from New Jersey, Penn State offers them, they're gone. Right. We yeah. had a guy decommit a couple of weeks ago. New friggin' Penn State got their got their sanctions lowered. They offered him a scholarship, and he was like, "Later, Cuse. Did you see that? Did you I, see did. That? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. I um, did. Uh, speaking of New York, I just texted you a picture that I came across on Facebook just now from tonight. Uh, let's see. You texted you it to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you got it yet. <laughs> I did. This is contemporaneous. Very funny. Um, it's Derek you have Jeter. To go up on the uh, Two Sorry Excuses website. Uh, a, a very appropriate post-coital. It's Derek Jeter um, walking off the field, and behind him on the uh, concourse signage in right field, or in uh, that be left field, in Yankee Stadium is a Syracuse banner that says New York's college team. Very yeah. appropriate. Very Good appropriate. Old Doc Gross, he's made his mark. <laughs> well, I'll um, 
I'll tell you what. Um, apparently, this phenomena has been going on much longer than Doc Gross uh, has been steering the ship in Syracuse because the DO ran an article today. I've been, as you can tell, I've been, uh, I've been not only doing a little uh, show prep, but I've been all over Twitter these last couple of days. Are you going to talk about like the Syracuse games in Yankee Stadium against Notre Dame back in the sixties? Back in the sixties, yeah. yeah. So that was the last time we pl- before we played them in the early 2000s the last time we had played them was in that Yankee Stadium game like in 64 65 or whenever it was so that's the um, the editorial staff of of the DO uh, back in 61 writes a uh, a little um, op-ed bemoaning the fact that we are uh, at in 1961 um, we are basically selling uh, our soul to play uh, marquee opponents on the road and uh, it was all in the name of guarantee money. Um, so naturally, the gate receipts for a game in New York would greatly surpass that uh, for a contest in Archibald's outdated concrete oval. Which, in all fairness, that was a horrible, horrible yeah, venue. Yeah, place to build like in 1900 or 1908 or something ridiculous. It was old. But in the 60s, we hadn't graduated to the money grab that exists now. Yeah. So it was probably a little bit out of whack, even if it was somewhat appropriate to move those games um, for logistical well, purposes. The odd thing is, um, like, it's like, okay, I understand playing uh, Notre Dame and Yankee Stadium because that's not that uncommon. Notre Dame would always play certain, you know, they it wasn't uncommon for them to play teams like Army and Yankee Stadium or navy down in baltimore memorial or something you know i don't think that was that uncommon but i was looking at ebay just out of curiosity last night not even looking for this information just looking uh i i searched syracuse football programs because i like looking at these old programs and seeing what's out there it was a game from i think maybe 1961 syracuse versus pittsburgh at shea stadium how weird is that yeah that is weird like it's like that doesn't even seem uh, of course, I think college football might have been a bigger draw in general in the New York City area in 1961 than it is now. I don't think it is that much of a draw anymore. Uh, but it still was weird that we played Pittsburgh in Shea Stadium, you know, because, you know, I don't know. I know Pittsburgh was a big program, but it's still Pittsburgh. Right, you know? right. So um, I... I I read an article a couple of years ago. Actually, it might have even been last season. I think it might have been, I don't know if it was the New York Times or something, but it was talking about the um, the the market for college football in New York. And it was talking about how, you know, it's not really... Um, basically, the gist of it was that it's a professional sports town. You know, because they've been doing all this push to do these New York games. You know, like Rutgers played, you know, that game when Eric LeGrand got paralyzed. I think that was I think that was in Giants Stadium, was it? Or was it in Yankee Stadium against Army? No, I think it was in Giants Stadium. Yeah, I mean, even that. like, And they've been pushing these games in Yankee Stadium. And, of course, now they got the pinstripe bowl and stuff. And it's not like the attendance is that crazy. People aren't rushing out to get the tickets. Uh, and regardless of the fact they might have uh, friggin' 20 million people within a two-hour drive or whatever it is, 
people just don't care about the college sport, college football the way they do about going to a Jets or a Giants game, you know? Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's the you're right. It's the mentality of the fan base. Um, it is. It's a pro sports town. Yeah, I mean they'll go to college basketball games, but that's because there's enough alumni. You know, I mean, if there's if there's thirty thousand Syracuse alumni in the in the metro, I don't know what the number is. There's more than enough to go fill up uh, to make a ruckus in Madison Square Garden. You know. Yep. Yep. And not so much to make much of a ruckus in an eighty thousand seat football stadium. And anything that does move the needle on college football uh, in the New York metro area, it's from um, it's from displaced alumni of SEC schools, of Big Ten schools. You know, yeah. people who I know there's like a yeah, I know there's like the LSU bar and all that bullshit up there. Yeah, know? people who've immigrated to to New York City for work or you know postgraduate lifestyle or, or whatever the you know that appeal of, of living and working in New York City is uh, if you're not from the area um, that's when you see kind of an influx of um, of fandom for for college sports it's not locals you know it's yeah. not it's not your your dyed in the wool New York City uh, sports fan because they're they're paying attention to Derek Jeter's last game tonight. Yeah, you know they're paying they attention. Give a damn about it. to the Giants game. They're not talking about hey Notre Dame's coming up. That's why that game you can always get tickets for the Syracuse game at MetLife. Yeah, I mean we got those tickets pretty easily. Um, you know it's funny how you're saying that because uh, a girl that uh, we graduated with, uh, this girl Kara, she had something on there uh, asking about parking passes at MetLife, and people were smiling. Oh, you don't need it. And I was thinking about it last time, like that's that's how leisurely they know it's going to be. Like they they change their rules on how they do the parking because they know that it's not going to be capacity. We know? we drove just up and come pay your twenty bucks or thirty bucks or whatever it is and park like we did. We drove up. We were less than a hundred yards from the entrance. Yeah. Yep. Like because they know it's not it's not like a, a Giants game on a Sunday where you know you better have a parking pass because. There's going to be friggin' 50,000 cars out there or whatever. Right, right, right. Damn. So, listen, man, I'm going to watch. I'm actually going to I'm gonna DVR it, and I'm going to avoid the radio on the ride home. I'm going to get home probably about midnight on Saturday. I'm going to watch the game, and I'm going to root for us, and I'll be super psyched if we win. I'll be bummed if we lose, but I don't necessarily think that we're going to have a particularly good showing because of the situation, because of the setting. Mike Sorrentino's IRS tax evasion scandal? (laughs) Because the situation? (laughs) Oh, you know what? I saw that. I I was at the gym today and I saw the blurb on the the, um, like CNN or something. I have no idea what that's about. What what's going on? Apparently, he filed false returns for like two or three years. <laughs> like they're not like they're not going to scrutinize a well-known douchebag's taxes extra special. Right, right. You know, like a guy who went from making twenty grand a year to 
friggin' two million dollars a year, whatever he was making on that damn show. Like, like they're not giving extra attention to those tax returns. Right. Right. <laughs> okay, so I figured something was up with him, but um, you know that what I was what I what I forgot before is what I sent you in a Skype message just now. Uh, you might want to look at that at your leisure. It's something that's been going around Facebook this week. Uh, the uh, the the neighborhood map of New Orleans. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I saw that come through. But um, the judgmental maps. Uh, let's see here. See, so where I'm living, I guess, is they don't really have technically a name for where I'm living, I guess. But I'm right below where it says Holly Grove Hardheads. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. And right across the road from me is not bad. Okay, so you're you are sandwiched right between old hipsters and not bad. Yep. Okay. Like, I'm, like if you you see where the ninety is on there? Where the ninety? Oh yeah, Route ninety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Route ninety. If you you know you you pretty much just take a a straight line up Route ninety there, like a little like two three. That's where I am, right in the middle of there. Yeah, it's two blocks off of ninety, three blocks off of North Car- Carrollton, South Carrollton, right there, okay. which is the White Street there. So that's me. So that doesn't even technically uh, warrant any uh, classification. And where I grew up is what is called even safer here. (laughs) 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 Basically, where the V is is where my house is. Not far from the White Flight Bridge. (laughs) Where's the... Oh, yeah, that's the causeway leading to the North Shore. Right. Yeah. I disagree with calling that area up there Metri, though, because um, Metri was like my playground, which is down around the uh, the the H or whatever that is. That stuff there was uh, that was what we called Metri playground. You know, okay. it was Metri playground. Metri. Right, right. You know, it's not that anymore. It was named after a dead baseball player, but. Um, but I don't like the fact that they have Metairie spelt wrong on this. I think that's sloppy. I just noticed that. What is the... Um, Chalmette spelt wrong. What's um, the school for kids who had no other choice? University of New Orleans? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's UNO. I, you know, yesterday I was in a restaurant and I overheard people having a conversation. And they... they uh, which I think, you know, I have uh, you know, my brother... Two brothers and a sister graduated from UNO. But uh, it, it does get a bad rap, but it's got a lot of good programs. And I think, yeah, uh, but people people call it bad things, you know. And I heard them, uh, this woman, she referred to it as the University of No Opportunity, which I haven't heard in a long time because right. it used to be an old thing to make fun of it. You know, I mean, it's it's basically a commuter school, you know. Right. That's the, uh, that was Tim Floyd's college before he headed off to Iowa State. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, they were pretty good when he was there, you know. Did you he... know, for a long time, they were always a, a they were a mid-major powerhouse for years. And then, um, 
you know, after Tim Floyd left, they started to climb. Before Tim Floyd got there, they were a mid-major powerhouse, you know? What, but, um, uh, what's their nickname? The Privateers. Okay. It only opened, the school opened, I think, in 1958 or something. You know, but it got, that school really got effed up by the hurricane. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, like, that, that really killed it. It had, like, you know, it never regained the number of, uh, kids anymore you know it was just it, it was just all screwed up you know like uh so, you know their their enrollment was like cut in half the campus was friggin a lot of it was destroyed but uh you know it's unfortunate but but uh yeah it was in a bad spot that's right on the lake everything there was getting flooded if you were on the lake right right yeah so um what else? What else? What else? Um, so I got a bunch of other stuff, but none of it is um, none of it is time sensitive. I, I yeah. think I can hold on to it. We're uh, we're at about an Same hour. And, next episode. Yeah, we're at about an hour and twenty minutes. I know you got some stuff, or at yeah. least the very least, you're tired. So yeah, um, I don't know if I'm making out to do anything tonight. Now um, tomorrow, I got to go to the big forum for equality gala. Ah, yes. That's the proper way to say it, Gala, because it is for the gay rights organization that a buddy of mine. Was. Is it Friday already? Uh, tomorrow, yeah. Oh, how about that? Yeah, which I'm like, man, I didn't, when I when I told him I would go to this thing, I didn't know I would be a homeowner. You know, I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, it's like I'd rather be doing this. Other stuff, you know. Right. Or whatever, I paid the hundred something dollars for the ticket, I'm going to go there and drink my hundred and thirty dollars worth of booze <laughs> <laughs> so oh very good man good times but it'll be fun I, I i still have the door prize i won a couple of years ago when i went there which is a new orleans saints nfl dartboard cabinet set which i was like i was like when i get a house i'm gonna hang it up now i have it i'm like you know i don't know if there's any place for me to really be hanging this thing up in my house right <laughs> Right. I don't really want to encourage people to be throwing darts at my wall. That's the problem. <laughs> That's when the guys were moving in uh, to my place. The first thing I see is a dartboard, and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And it didn't even have a cabinet or anything. You know, it was just one of those round, you know, standard dartboard cork yeah. boards that you just hang on a wall like at an old dive bar. But luckily, last time I was at the house, it was. Um, it was in the basement, so they had no intention of using it. It was just part of their um, part of their move in. So that was good to know. That's good. So I, I, mean, I um, mine isn't a cabinet and everything. It's kind of cool at Saints, but you know, I, I mean, I guess I can put it in a spare bedroom or something. Yeah, you need like you need a rumpus area to I mean, to it's hang a small that. House, you know, it's a big open living area and two small bedrooms. You know, and a kitchen. Right, so it's a t- you can't put it where like you might put a dining room, you know, yeah, table I mean, I can, or. Yeah, screw it! I'm a bachelor. I can do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know what's a good way um, to remain a bachelor is forego the dining area and put up a dartboard. Yeah, well, I I already bought a nice antique table, so um, if not if not um, improving my. Uh, chances of not becoming bachelor, I, 
I definitely might be improving my chances of people thinking, oh, he says he's a bachelor, but he's really an old gay man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, on that note, (laughs) on that note, uh, with apologies to Girk's brother, we'll see you guys next week. Good night, Fredo. Go Orange.